Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. And a warm welcome to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. I'm the Bill Arnold part of that sentence. I am glad you are here, and I'm glad to be here. Hopefully we have that in common, and I always pray every day that I will be worthy of your attention. You know, truth is mentioned, I think, 235 times in the Bible, and not once are we asked to ignore it or shoo it away if it proves to be too inconvenient. I want to read something from Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We have a great show coming up, 60-second break, and then Patrick Albanese. I'm Neil Stave, a manager of Faith Radio, here with a quick word of thanks to pastors during Clergy Appreciation Month. Now, we have a special affinity with pastors and honor their work because they spread the gospel, preach and teach God's word, and build up believers in their faith all elements of our work here at Faith Radio. We're honored to come alongside the local church and the many pastors across our listening area who are faithfully representing Christ to their congregations and community. Pastors, we honor you. Your labor is not in vain. We all have experiences in life that leave us broken and in need of healing. But seeking healing and dealing with our hurts can be difficult. Hi, I'm Suzy Larson, host of Middays, and I had a great conversation about finding the courage to go after inner healing with Dr. Mark Rutland. And afterwards, I took some time to write down some of my key takeaways. You can read my blog by searching the words soul healing at myfaithradio.com. Fresh content every single day at myfaithradio.com. What would you do with a brain if you had one? Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could... I could while away the hours, conferring with the flowers, consulting with the rain. And my head, I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain. I'd unravel every riddle. You know I love Mondays. I say that every Monday because I do. And it's uh, Monday, the sun is shining, and I get a chance to uh, catch up with my friend and colleague from prestigious West Des Moines, Patrick Albanese. Patrick, welcome to the show. Thank you. The sun is shining here as well, but it's a deceptive beauty because it's chilly out. So, Patrick, it looks like uh, there was an insider at CNN. He kind of blows the whistle on network president Jeff Zucker's personal vendetta that he has against the president. I mean, is it surprising? Did you you really, uh, you know, you look at the way the news is presented. It's pretty unbalanced. I'm stunned with this Hunter Biden thing. Nobody's even curious. You notice that? You know, it's, you go, wow, this doesn't look so good. 50000 a month. He doesn't really know what he's doing. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, the, the, the rest of the media is saying, well, yeah, I don't know. That's not that interesting of a story. It's like, it isn't? It isn't? The son of the vice president who got kicked out of the Navy suddenly receiving gajillions of dollars uh, in an area he knows nothing about, and you're not even the least bit curious? It's like some woman had a Facebook page as a Trump supporter, and the next thing you know, CNN's camped out on her front lawn. 
trying to figure out, you know, where are you from? Why are you such a hater? Well, you know, I mean, they hunted her down. They found her. And they're like, oh, the son of the vice president. I, I mean, it, it's, it's not just the stories they cover. It's the stuff they refuse to cover. You think, are you really a journalist? Isn't this the kind of thing that should get you, you know, get your journalist fingers itching to find out the truth? And they have no interest. I find that, I find that interesting. This guy who took the job at CNN was an engineer, and he recorded all these conversations. It sounds like, from what I have heard, that they have a pretty much a one-sided uh, view, and that is to go after uh, Trump. And you know what? They talk about the firewall that Fox News is. They say that's a fi- you know, firewall to protect Trump. Well, isn't some of these other stations a firewall against him? Yeah. You think that Fox is set up to protect Trump, so you say, take him down. You know, I mean, their ability to sort of delude themselves into thinking they're doing, you know, the good work. It's a little bit frightening because you'd think, wow, what happened to the, you know, we report, you decide. Mm -hmm. It's not that. I think when they believe that they're making some leeway into, you know, who we got another story. We got him this time. You know, it's it's just it's Scooby-Doo over and over. (laughs) (laughs) We would have gotten away with it, too. It wasn't for that darn engineer recording our conversations about how much we don't like the president, you know. <laughs> what are you supposed to believe? What, what part of the news are you supposed to take seriously? Well, did you see that? You know, so ABC News uh, went with a video this morning. They said, we've got some live video of uh, some of the a battle going on in Syria right now. And it's just, you're seeing explosions left and it's, it's you know, it's lighting up the sky. And so, I don't know, some citizen journalist did a little bit of research and said, that's a, that's the equivalent of a, a fireworks show in Tennessee. Um, I was there. <laughs> I, I remember that night. That, that, yeah, that's just a, like a, a sort of a training exercise. And if you look down on the corner, you can see the spectators in the stands recording it with their cell phones. So you go, okay, did somebody send this video to you? And say, this is a a video I captured of the bombing, something going on in Syria right now. Uh, And then you didn't check it out, Hmm. which means you're kind of lazy or or you the story was too good to to pass up. Or did you just look for footage of something blowing something, something getting blown up? Um, I don't even remember NBC News many moons ago. There were the stories of the, I think it was the GM trucks that would blow up if they flipped over. And they kept trying, they kept trying. They couldn't get it to do it uh, for video. So they rigged one with explosives. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, they don't tell you that. And they said, look, well, look what happened. Look what happened. Here we are just minding our own business with our video cameras. <laughs> <laughs> and this blew up. Look at that. That's mm-hmm. unbelievable. You know, uh, it's it's... Silly. So AB News eventually had to take it down and they sort of apologized, but non-apologized saying, you know, we had our source wrong or yeah, yeah, and we're not really sure what happened, how we ended up with this footage of a show and tried to pass it off as war footage. And you think, okay, how is, how does that not even pass the basic a smell test, but journalism, you know, somebody, either somebody sent them the video and they, you don't check it out. You just go, this is good. Let's just put this up there. I mean, I tune out so much of it anymore because I think you're misinforming me, which yeah. is probably worse than being uninformed. Mm-hmm. Now, we always try to chat about what 
happened over the weekend, and I believe it was this uh, last weekend. I think it was maybe Friday night. There was that presidential hopefuls debate hosted by the LGTBQ community. And I thought the exchange between uh, one of the um, questionnaires and Elizabeth Warren was interesting. Asked how she would respond to a person um, that says marriage is between one man and one woman. And I thought it was interesting the way they posed the question. Um, and I think yeah, it, you... Uh, it, it felt set, you know, and it was also, you know, they go, it's a person, and she's so she's pretty quick on the response. Well, I'm going to assume that person is a man, uh, which uh, you thought, okay, uh, I happen to know uh, just as many women as I know men that uh, think that marriage is between a man and a, one man and one woman. I happen to think that, that that's not exactly – there's not a big gender split where, you know, mostly men think it's between one man and one woman. And uh, women are thinking, oh, who cares? Just anybody marry whatever. Right. So – uh, she does the, you know, the, the quick little mail bash there. And then she says, and then I would say to him, um, you then just marry one woman then if you can find one. And oh my gosh, did the, the interwebbies light up on that one? And they go, oh, look at what she, oh, she slammed him. It, it's so funny because the kind of people that don't like when Trump throws out his red meat that gets the base all excited when Elizabeth Warren does it, they just think it's the greatest thing. But so she got a couple of digs in there and I thought to myself, well, you know, you've already got the, uh, white middle-aged female vote. You already got that sewn up. So the, the areas where you're really lacking are the male vote. Uh, and so you just decide to bash them. <laughs> you know, that's like the basket of deplorables. It's like the, the group that you need to support you, you just took a hit. Mm -hmm. you, you, you just hit them. And, uh, you know, it it's it's a it, it was so well done in a way that it looked rehearsed, but yeah, I mean she's getting bashed by Bernie now. Bernie says she's not really a full-on socialist. You know, she actually believes a little bit in capitalism. So, you know, the the inner struggle is happening. Mm -hmm. But the person asking the question, and I thought it was interesting the way it was phrased. If a voter approached you and said, "I'm old-fashioned." And my faith teaches me that marriage is between one man and one woman. You know, how quaint to hold these 2,000-year-old views uh, relative to these uh, newly enlightened views. You know, I, I find, you know, it's uh, there. there's a technique that is being used these days where it's the multiple insults in one sentence. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of a, an example because, uh, you know, I think – uh, one happened to me actually not that long ago and you could just, you could make a comment on something and, you know, instead of somebody saying, I think you're wrong, they'll say, well, you, I see that you're a Neanderthal white man that lives in middle America, idiot, you know, it's, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, and of course the old fashioned views, uh, they're taking a dig at old fashioned views. Uh, in the in the in the in the question, look at the question. Read read the beginning of it again. It's I think um, I'm old I'm old fashioned, and my so faith teaches me that marriage is between one man and one woman. Right. So we take a dig at old fashioned. We yep. take a dig at faith in the setup to the question. 
Uh, so it's you're teeing the ball up for her to attack those groups because how dare you be old fashioned in this progressive era right. era of where we and we just continually move forward. But you know, I never like does anybody ever ask them specifics about like where do they draw the line? Because you know, in Elizabeth Warren's answer, she says, "Well, uh, I assume it's a man that says this. Uh, well, then marry one woman then." And you go, "Oh." So you obviously believe in monogamy because you said one. <laughs> I mean, couldn't somebody take her to task and say, well, you were pretty specific because you said marry one woman then. Um, is there any reason why you draw the line there? Because, you know, today's uh, ridiculous views are tomorrow's mainstream progressive right. views. Right. They, they just suddenly we say, no, that's absolutely normal to marry your dog. And your gazebo. <laughs> yeah. Good gazebo is hard to find, you know. <laughs> no kidding. I think yeah. on that note, I need to take a short break. Patrick Albanese is my guest. We'll take a very short break and be right back. to talk to my friend and cohort and fellow entertainer friend of mine, Patrick Albanese, who lives in the great state of Iowa, the prestigious town of West Des Moines. On Colombo Day. Well, it is Colombo Day, and so happy Colombo Day. Yes, one more thing. Yeah, just one more thing. It's one more thing. Yeah. He was so Did disarming, you... wasn't he? We should be... Oh, he's yeah. great. Yeah. So I, I love the format. Yeah, yeah, we just, like, we already know who did it. Now he's got to figure it out. It's fun to watch. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right. So you heard a great sermon on Sunday about money. Do you say more? I, I did. Isn't it funny how, uh, you know, you go a sermon on money, you know, count me in. How much? <laughs> <laughs> so, Let me get out my notebook. My mother-in-law had gone to the Saturday service and she came over for uh, dinner, chili that my wife cooked. And it was so popular by the way, and so good that when I went to have another bowl of it yesterday, it had all been taken by the relatives into go bags. Ah. <laughs> so you gave it all away. There's no more chili for me. <laughs> I paid for that chili. I think I did. Uh, but uh, she said, oh, it was a great sermon. You have to, you, you have to uh, go. But we, I had things to juggle, so I was able to watch it online. And uh, boy, oh boy, you know, do you ever get that feeling? You say, how is it possible that you can have a, a pastor with a church with 18,000 members, and yet he knows exactly what A, I need to hear, and is, the, is my house bugged? <laughs> 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 the answer is yes, by the way. Oh, yeah, yeah the answer is yes. Yeah, it was uh, it was really good, and you know, and, and of course he ties it very nicely into biblical principle, and you know, what are your riches? Where are your riches? And he had this marvelous story, which it was so funny because it made me think about how I I'll hang on to things, and I can't let stuff go. Uh, and he had a terrific story about going to the Cubs game, and they had some sort of bobblehead giveaway for the first twenty thousand people. I'm sorry, Bears to a Bears football game. And he and his wife were part of the first 20,000 to get there. They got this bobblehead doll of a player they had never heard of. But, hey, <laughs> bobblehead, right? Because <laughs> mm -hmm. he's say bobblehead. 
And uh, as it's at the end of the game, he sees some guy walking around, he sees talking to people and he sees a guy with a bobblehead doll. He says, how much for the bobblehead doll? I'll give you 20 bucks for the bobblehead doll. And the guy, he offered the 20 bucks. He says, no. And uh, he says, 40 bucks. And the guy says, no. And so pastor holds his up and says, sold. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. So he gets the 40 bucks from the guy because they had two bobbleheads, you see. His wife had one, and he knew that she wasn't going to really be enjoying this bobblehead of a no-name player they never heard of. So he's still going to get the bobblehead and the 40 bucks. And his, he says, my wife turns to me and says, why didn't you just give it to him? We have two. He's like, but but $40. <laughs> He's just going to sell it and make money. She's like, you should have just given it to him. And uh, he said, I put the money in the, the general fund, so it's going to it's gonna do some good. But I was thinking of it because uh, when my mother-in-law was over the day before, my wife had dug out some old DVDs that uh, had been given to me, yoga DVDs, from – something I did in Denver, Colorado in 2003. And I think they still have the shrink wrap on them, right? <laughs> Give me an idea of how much I've used these DVDs in 16 years. Right. And it turns out that the person who makes the DVDs, my mother-in-law is a huge fan of, loves the woman's work. It was like, oh, if I could get more of her stuff, I was going to buy some. So my wife is handing these to her. I go, whoa, 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 whoa. Those are my DVDs. <laughs> oh, you're a sad, gonna sad person. <laughs> Come on, you've done it, haven't you? Have you ever just like, ah, I don't know if I can give that up. <laughs> yeah, you haven't looked at it in 16 years, but now you don't know if you can you let it go. It's crazy. Oh, it is crazy, and we hang on to things. And, you know, I used to say, and it was a note to myself because I wasn't speaking to anybody else, but it's like, how can God possibly put anything more into your hands if you can't let go of what you got that you don't even need? Mm -hmm. you know, if he's trying to, he's like, here, just open up. He's like, whoa, I'm not letting go of those DVDs. Those are yoga. Those are yoga. <laughs> uh, it's embarrassing. This is troubling on so many levels. Can you edit that story out in case uh, people start to think I'm really pathetic? <laughs> I probably could, but I don't think I'm going to. Um, so it's uh, it's a great lesson that we need to hold on to things loosely because uh, we get so bogged down with stuff, it it becomes a mental illness yeah. almost. It all belongs to God anyway, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. You know, and at some point in time, you know, you're going well. Uh, you know, isn't there that remember that old classic joke about you know the man who is dying and uh, he wants to be buried with his with with all of his cash because uh, he wants to see if he can get with him, you know. So the the family's doing it, uh, they, and after the service, they say, "Did you did you bury him with the cash?" Says, no, no, no. I just I put a check in there. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, it's it's just as good as the cash, right? Right. Just as good as the cash. Yeah. You remember that old classic? I do remember that's a good yeah. classic. Again, a good reminder on this Monday as we face a new week as to where our treasure lies and that God gives us everything we have. Our next breath comes from him, let alone the next meal we're going to have. The place where we lay our head tonight is all provided by him and his riches and abundance and mercy and goodness. Yeah. I mean, if, and if I could ask him, you know, it's funny how you, your priorities always change about what you would ask God for at any 
given time, it's always a matter of what do I think I need right now or what don't I have? And then sometimes when things are going well, you know, your your list becomes simple, like, could I just see a little bit let, less Peyton Manning on my television? <laughs> I think I see Peyton Manning more than I see my kids on any given day. <laughs> yeah, he's on about every commercial I see as well. So, uh, yeah. again, what a uh, uh, powerful reminder. I, and I always go back to all that Jesus taught about money. He seemed to have been very interested in how we uh, think about money and, and how we treat it. And so it's, a, it's always it's convicting because I always could... Be much more generous. I could be um, less selfish and less stingy. There you go. I said it. Yeah, you said it, and and I know you mean it. I, um, I I'm in agreement. You know, is is the over hundred percent that I could be, and I, I only have to look back at my own life and see how God has always taken care of me. In fact, we we just recently we had a bunch of expenses come up, and then things got super tight where it was, you know, uh, a little frightening. We said, "Oops, we're going to have to delay some bills." And uh, I had been waiting for a check to arrive, and uh, just just at the last minute, Saturday, in the mailbox is the envelope that has the check. And uh, so we go, hey, that worked out great. My wife opened it up. She says, there's two checks in here. <laughs> From the same so agency? It was it was yeah from the same agency. Just he stuck two checks in to the same thing, so it was payment for something else. And I go, well, that's a surprise. Wow. <laughs> and and then I I feel somewhat ashamed because I go there I was complaining complaining going oh gosh God this is a little tight a little bit of a nail biter here. And it's 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 I think if he could just put on the back of everything that he provides for me, I told you to trust me. Mm-hmm. I told you to trust me. You know, it's it's hard to because we're just so doggedly determined to control everything ourselves, aren't we? Yeah, unfortunately, it does not uh, does not serve us at all. No, but it, what's I think even sadder in in my particular case is no matter how many times God has delivered for me, and it's been countless, I still think, yeah, but what about next time? You know, I always have to fight that. I have to fight that urge to think that way. Um, and it, it's a, it's a constant, it's a project for me. Mm-hmm. Good reminder, Patrick. I always, uh, I always think that I'm in a place where God is shaping me and making me into the man he wants me to be. And then I hear this conversation with you and I think, oh, more work that needs to be done. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's kind of the old, uh, there's a self-made man. Well, he didn't do a very good job. <laughs> <laughs> Right, right. Oh, oh gosh. Well, keep the faith, my friend. Always nice to chat with you. Thank you for doing the show, and have a great rest of the week. Well, I do have your word of advice for the day. Oh, awesome. Because I know how you like me to, you know, leave the listener with something that they could put in a little brown paper bag and take on home. And I want you to know, don't think you can't negotiate just about anything. And, and, And I bring up as an example a time in school that I once protested a grade that the teacher had given me and actually got him to bump me up to an F plus. So. <laughs> Cause you were, you were so devastated that you, that persuasive, you persuaded him <laughs> to uh, improve that grade to an F plus. I am so proud of you. See, you can well, do anything in this life. That This is what I, I believe. Yeah. Yes. Is it that, isn't that the, what every kid actor says, just believe, believe in your dreams. You can have any dream you want. That's right. Well, That's right. It's a simple dream. Yeah. 
All right. I will talk to you next week. Have a great day. It's been a while since I've had a chance to chat with Glenn Stanton. He's the director of Global Family Formation Studies at Focus on the Family. I don't even know if that fits on a business card, but he uh, he does lots of debates and lectures and really talks a lot about gender, sexuality, marriage, and parenting at universities and at churches all around the world. I used to chat with him on the morning show, but I think this is my first time in the afternoons. Glenn, nice to have you on. It's good to be with you. Yeah. I appreciate it. No, I appreciate it because I, I, I need guests for my show. There you go. Always... In the afternoon, it's nice to know that we're both coherent <laughs> in the afternoon. Thank you. I I know I am. All right. There's all kinds of uh, hoopla about this uh, tweet and this picture that Ellen DeGeneres had sitting next to George W. Bush. Boy, that stirred up the pot, didn't it? Well, I mean, it really did. It was just amazing and such passion as well. And, you know... She always ends her broadcast with be kind to one another, which is a you know lovely thing to say. But uh, there's been anything but kindness coming at her uh, since she was caught sitting next to President Bush. Yeah, I mean, it's really fascinating is that, you know, she's a very, very friendly person and um, she is at this game and somebody takes a picture of her sitting next to President George W. Bush, and um, they're laughing. I mean, they're, you know, they're very clearly having a good time. And the way that so many people on the left responded as if, you know, George W. Bush is Satan himself, and how in the world could she even, you know, share the same space as him? And it, it shows you that – and we've seen this just time and time and time again, how it's really a lot of those on the left are just completely unglued. I thought this was interesting. Okay, so we are here in the conservative religious community. We have our very strong convictions about sexuality and homosexuality and things like that and Hollywood stars. And there was no Christian whatsoever that said, why in the world is George Bush hanging around with that woman? You know, they're like, good for George Bush. He has friends in all kinds of parts of the world. And so, you know, in many ways, it's the Christians that are much more tolerant and open-minded than so many on the left. I mean, it was fascinating that after that came out, Somebody in Vanity Fair, um, somebody in another – oh, Harper's. Um, I mean these these very kind of highbrow magazines, there were columnists who just wrote screeds against Ellen for how in the world could she do this. She has no business sitting next to somebody who did so much evil. I mean it's it's ridiculous. It's 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 really nuts. Yeah, it is nuts. And, you know, Ellen is first and foremost a person that loves to make people laugh and laugh herself. And, you know, laughter, first of all, just basically proves our humanity. And it is uh, the shortest distance between two people is a laugh. Yeah. And I can just picture um, her 
being invited into Jerry Jones's suite, the owner of the Dallas Cowboys. He's got probably the coolest suite at the Dallas Stadium. And who knows everyone who's been invited to that. And you've got comfortable chairs and you get a chance to sit next to uh, a president of the United States. I don't get it. Well, you know, and and you know that she probably enjoys him, but even even if she didn't, there you go, her being polite, you know? <laughs> what do you do when you're face-to-face <laughs> right? with somebody, people that you don't even like? You know what? You're polite. You're kind to them. You're nice to them. And that's the problem with, you know, the, the present situation in America is even kindness is suspect and, and, you know, intolerable. Well, Glenn, not to mention we've moved into this cancel culture kind of environment where we're looking to just eradicate somebody from life if they violate one of the principles. Well, absolutely. And it, and it's interesting here. I mean, here's another thought that I had is you see a lot of radicalness from the you know, radical gay community, the political community. And people will ask me, do you think it will ever get to the point where they overplay their hand? And I will say, you know, absolutely. And right here, ask Ellen, do you think people within her own gay community have just like way overplayed their hand, have just freaked out? I mean, she has got to think, you know what? A lot of these people are just nuts. Um, and that's exactly it. And America, you know, middle America has seen that for, for quite some while. And they are very discouraged, disgusted by it, just this nastiness um, on the left. And again, it's important to point out that there are none of us Christians that are, quote unquote, so judgmental and hateful that, again, even raised an eyebrow that George Bush is sitting with somebody, you know, who's on the other side of the aisle ideologically and politically and things like that. We think, you know what? Good for him. Good for him for having all kinds of different friends. Mm hmm. And Glenn, don't you in the real world look for opportunities to sit next to somebody that you don't agree with? I mean, I don't well, know why both sides didn't see it as an opportunity for persuasion. See, that is a big, big thing. You're exactly right. I mean, it could have been a wonderful opportunity where the left and the right say, look, if they can sit down and get along, anybody can get along. Um you know, and so why don't we try? No, we don't give up on our convictions. We don't give up on our beliefs. Um, but we say, you know what? You're an American. I'm an American. You're a decent person. I'm a decent person. Um, and, you know, why can't we be kind to one another? Why can't we enjoy one another? And um, it could have been a wonderful learning opportunity for our nation. But that's exactly where we were. It's or, or where we are. I'm sorry. It's it's just seen as as reprehensible. And I mean, we as citizens have to create a new kind of culture where we do have friends that are different than us. Sir, you know what that means is it just makes life more interesting. Who wants to have people around them that are just like them? You know what? Let's. 
let's meet different people. Let's interact with different people. Let's develop those friendships and, and those relationships. And again, it, it makes life more easy. And especially us as Christians to go out and do that and say, yes, we believe this or that. Um, but you know what? That doesn't mean that I can't love you, that I can't care for you, that I can't have you as a very significant friend in my life. I mean, that's the gospel. That's the example that Christ gave us. And we need to be that example, particularly at this day and age in our nation where everything is so divisive. Mm-hmm. And Glenn, there is probably a fear that some have. I don't think, I know I don't have it, and I don't think you do either that we would have to compromise our truth or our values in order to be friends with people that we disagree with. Well, and that's right, and we don't have to. I mean, it's interesting that, like, you know, the gay issue is really the only issue where that has been placed upon us, that if you don't agree with me, then, you know, you must be a bigot. We don't, you know, we don't do that on the abortion issue, any other political issue, um, but that, but we can say and we can encourage the other person, you know what? I genuinely like you. I, I think you're an interesting person. Um, I like spending time with you. And why don't we not allow our differences to deprive either one of us of this very rewarding relationship? And if somebody says, well, no, I can't be friends with you because of that. Um, it's like any other thing. You know what? I can't be friends with you because you like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. You know, you're like, okay, I, that hurts me. I, it, I'm disappointed, but, you know, and then you just let them go. I don't really want to be friends with somebody who is going to determine um, my friendship with them based on one or two different things. You want people to be free. You want people to be open and say, yes, we have differences, strong differences. We hold very strong convictions. But you know what? We can be friends in the midst of that. It's, it's not a complex thing, but we're losing that ideal today. Glenn, didn't it seem, doesn't it seem when we read Scripture that if Jesus could spend time with the insiders or spend time with the outsiders, that he always went to the outsiders? Yeah, and that's exactly right. And another thing here for us to think about, and I think that this is really, really what upset the Pharisees and things, is Jesus would laugh at their jokes. You know, the the outsiders, the common people, he, you know, hung out with fishermen, prostitutes, things like that. And, you know, not that he was improper or immoral, of course, but he was – he would have been for many of us even, quote unquote, a little too comfortable with those people. And, you know, he wasn't. Um, he that's where he wanted to be, you know, and and um, to have real relationships and real relationships means being open and honest. He he didn't just relate to these people just simply to share the gospel with them. I mean, uh, he was in those relationships because he cared about them, cared about them as people, cared about them as his father's children. So I think that we can sometimes look at the left and we say, boy, they're they're a little bit guilty of quickly hating those that don't agree with them or reject any of uh, their positions or philosophies. But to some degree, Glenn, I think you know the right is a little bit guilty of it as well. 
Well, sure. I mean, and, and that's a human nature mm-hmm. in that way. Of, yeah, and that's a nice way know, of putting to, it. Yeah, to, to let our anger, we see this online and social media and things like that. But we really do. I, I think this is important is to always say that person over there is a human being created by God, loved by God. Um, you know, Christ would have gone to the cross for just that person alone. And so we need to, in, in a book that I wrote a number of years ago, Loving My LGBT Neighbor, I talk about this. We always treat the person with grace and kindness, but we always treat the issue at hand, the topic, with absolute truth. So treat people kindly. Um, never be mean to them, never judge them. I mean, in the sense of, of, you know, casting aspersions upon them or saying, well, they're stupid or they're just ignorant. Um, Care for them, be gracious to them. But on the other side, the issues at hand, um, the topics that we're discussing, discussing, always be strong in truth in that. And that balance between grace and truth will always serve us very, very well. Uh, first, or, or John 1.14 tells us that Christ came down, dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. And so we need to be full of that balance of both grace and truth. Mm. Glenn, let me take a little break when I come back. I would love to, for you uh, to give me an illustration out of your uh, loving my LGBT neighbor um, being friends in grace and truth. I know you've got some uh, illustrations in there. I'd love to hear one of those. Um, we'll take a short break. Glenn Stanton is my guest, Director of Family uh, Formations at Focus on the Family. We'll be back in 90 seconds. Welcoming back to the program, Glenn Stanton, Director of Family Formations at Focus on the Family. And Glenn, I want to ask you a little bit about your book um, and maybe get a sample from it, from Loving My LGBT Neighbor, Being Friends in Grace and Truth. I want to say, though, that I think there's a whole new list of assumptions that didn't exist 10 or 15 years ago when you say you're a Christian. The minute you say to someone you're a Christian, they've got a list of assumptions about you that that probably wasn't around 10 years ago. Well, no, that's right. I mean, you know, times have changed, particularly with, you know, the gay and lesbian issue. And as I say in the book, um, the church has never been here before in terms of these things that have developed in the last 15 years. Homosexuality has always been around, of course, but never has it been mainstreamed like it is today, and never has it become like a quote-unquote civil rights movement, which it is not. But um, yeah, the, the, the challenges that the church is facing today are new. They are unique. They are different. And so we have to understand them that way, but we also have to meet those challenges um, with, again, love and grace. That's why I wrote that book to say, I mean, too many times we as Christians, we either fall over on the grace side and we're all grace. Um, you know, why can't we all just get along and, and, you know, put our differences beside us? 
or we're all on the truth side, pounding the pulpit and, and, you know, this is the truth and I don't care what you think. And, you know, I'm going to stand with the truth where Jesus, again, like I had mentioned earlier in uh, John 1, 14, talks about Jesus being full of grace and truth. And this is very important. Grace without truth is just mushy sentimentalism. Truth without grace can be abusive. And so finding that middle ground there is very, very important for us as Christians. Well said, uh, Glenn. And I'm, and I know that listeners would love um, hearing about the loving your LGBT neighbor. Um, I know you've got samples from your book. Does one come to mind? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a wonderful, wonderful story, and it's it's an interesting one. I give or, or host a lecture series at Focus for our employees, and this is, you know, I do three of them a year or so. And I have a very good friend through my work who is um, one of the most articulate spokespeople for same-sex marriage. He's a gay individual. And I thought, why don't we have him come to focus and speak to our employees, not because we're celebrating him, but my rationale was, if we're going to be against this, why don't – and we are against it, of course – but why don't we hear from one of the fairest, most articulate spokespeople from the other side so that we can fashion our arguments well rather than assuming what these people believe. Let's actually hear what they believe. And so I invited him, gave him a microphone for an hour. He spoke, spoke to the employees, and when the Q&A time came, he got asked tough questions, but the questions were asked in a very – um, kind way, but again, they were tough questions. And here's what happened when the Q and A session stopped, and you know, I said, you know, please, please show your appreciation for John. He got a standing ovation, mm. and it was a long ovation. Okay, here is a gay man at Focus on the Family, you know, this hateful place, and he gets a standing ovation. And it was not because they thought he was persuasive or they ch- changed any minds. It was a statement from the crowd, a statement from Focus on the Family employees that said exactly this. John, we know that it must have been difficult for you to come here. We appreciate you coming. We are honored you came. We thank you for sharing with us, and we want to show you that we love you and that we welcome you. The other thing is people would come up afterwards, and they'd you know, thank you for coming, and can I just give you a hug? And it was – I mean it brought tears to my eyes. Um, because I didn't orchestrate that. Nobody said, okay, you guys act nice. Don't be ugly. And that just flowed from their hearts, and it was wonderful. It was wonderful. And so there's that thing of standing strong in truth, but loving on this friend of mine, you know, where he goes back to his gay community and They're like, what was it like at Focus? He goes, you know what? They gave me a standing ovation. They kept hugging me. They were glad that I was there. Um, And it was just wonderful to see. It's a great story, uh, Glenn. You know, I I don't like the word uh, culture. I never seem to ever use it because I only see uh, one person at a time in life. And this is one of those times where uh, John came in, one person, um, 
a, ch- a child of, of God, um, maybe not born again, um, but certainly in need of a Savior. And it was, he was completely loved by this the group of employees at Focus. And it wasn't, what, it wasn't what the world was saying. He was just bringing his heart and mind to the table. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's exactly right. And, and one of the reasons I had him is he's not an angry individual. And, you know, I asked him some tough questions. I started off the Q&A. I mean, we were strong on truth. Um, we didn't budge. We didn't move. We, you know, said, here's what we believe. How do you respond to that? Um, but again, there was that that wonderful grace on the other side. And again, I mean, I didn't orchestrate that. I didn't have to tell anybody like parents tell their kids, you know, when, when guests are coming over, be nice, be polite. It just came out of the hearts of all of those Christians there. And it was just wonderful. And that goes back to what we started talking about was George Bush and Ellen DeGeneres at that um, football game enjoying one another. It's the left that really freaked out that she was interacting with him. There were no Christians who said, why is that president? Why is that man um, interacting with and, and laughing with that lesbian woman? I mean, the church gets that graciousness, mm-hmm. that kindness. Yeah. And I think every Christian looks at George W. Bush going, okay, George, you know the Lord. Maybe this is an opportunity for you to say a piece of truth uh, that might stick with her. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's interesting that George W. Bush has developed a, a very kind, gracious relationship with Michelle Obama. I mean, they don't agree on much of anything, um, but he has reached out to her, and he's been very kind to her and her back. And that's another example of, you know what, we can reach across the aisle, not have to compromise on what we believe and what we hold dear, but be gracious to people, be kind to people, and, and accept them um, and love them as God loves them. Mm-hmm. Glenn, I, I talked about this in my earlier segment today. But I think it's it's so interesting because over the weekend they had that debate and a gay rights leader posed a question to Senator Elizabeth Warren um, how she would respond if a, vo- a voter approached her and said, I'm old fashioned and my faith teaches me that marriage is between one man and one woman. Interesting the way they, they would use the I'm old fashioned, really. Right. Well, it is. I mean, it's it's basically, and it's that stereotype. Um, I'm not with the times. I still use a typewriter and believe <laughs> the earth is flat. Um, and then her sassiness to that, her sassy answer, well, uh, marry one woman. And, you know, they can, it's assumed that that person asking that question is a Christian Um, She wouldn't have acted that way if they said a Muslim woman or a Muslim man or a Jewish man or woman. It's or a Buddhist, you know, it's just Christians and everybody in the audience laughs. And, um, you know, it's it's just not adult like in that way. You would hope that somebody would answer, you know what, we all have different convictions about this. We need to be able to respect the convictions of those who cannot go along with same-sex marriage. They're rooted 
you know, long in the tradition of their faiths. And, you know, that kind of adult answer, but, you know, you, you have to make a, a punchline and applause line out of it. And, and yes, it's the only reason anybody could be against same-sex marriage, they assume, is because they have these old-fashioned religious ideas as if that could be the only possible rationale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just found it interesting if the if the tables were turned and it was uh, a Muslim woman s- saying, I believe it's between marriages between a man and a woman, and she were to say, well, then just marry one man if you can find one. Oof, that wouldn't right. have gone over well. Well, and she wouldn't have even said it. Of course she not. Would have said, of course not. Uh, I respect your faith. Um, you know, it's it's very important to you. I respect your tradition. Right. And it's, I mean, it really is remarkable there. Being evangelical or being conservative Catholic, I mean, those are the two things. It's just open season. And, you know, if, if you're in the mainstream, hardly anybody among your peers is going to get on to you for, for being critical or even making jokes about being, you know, a conservative Christian or a conservative Catholic. Yeah. Glenn, it's been awfully nice to speak to you after noon, after lunch. This has been kind of nice. Please come back on the <laughs> show again. for our naps now. <laughs> I know. I know. Thanks for doing the show. I'd love to have you back on. Hey, you betcha. I'd love it. Thank, Thank you, you, man. You bet. Glenn Bye-bye. Stanton's been my guest, Director of Family Formations at Focus on the Family. We'll take a little break. Hour two is just ahead. Dr. Michael Brown will be joining us as well as uh, apologist Greg Kokel. That's all ahead in hour two. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.